Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. What a freaking game. We look like we're going to have a serious dud of a wild card, super wild card weekend Saturday to kick things off. And we got a 27-point comeback by the by my Jacksonville Jaguars against Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert, and the Los Angeles Chargers, who apparently got a pregame speech from Philip Rivers before this game. We can talk about that part later. Joining me to break down the first of two games, the first two games of Wild Card Weekend, Ryan Wilson and John Breach. What's up, fellas? So, Breach, I made this note midway through the second quarter when the uh, ass whooping appeared to be getting out of hand. I said, uh, Chargering, is that going to be a thing? Getting it big in the first half, melting in the second half, but it feels like this veteran D in, San, in Los, Angeles, Los Angeles won't let this happen. Moment seems too big for Trevor Lawrence. Doug keeps getting away from the run. And then the last two words I wrote is, we'll see. And uh, then let's not forget Will Brinson writing in Slack, everyone pound the Chargers live muddy line when they were down 27 to 7. Or the, the Jacksonville. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look like <laughs> I've I've got I'm a pretty experienced Chargers uh, backer, right? I've, I've I've picked the Chargers. You were on the bandwagon. Time. You crashed in that bandwagon several times. You know it just oh, as yeah. well as anyone. I've ridden that bandwagon off a cliff a bunch. Um, as I mentioned, hmm. Philip Rivers did the uh, did the apparently did the pregame speech. I don't really think that matters, but like it to me, it felt like. And I know Wilson. Like I, I think you had a point. I, I said in Slack. I said, and I tweeted this out too. It was like at twenty-seven, nothing. In that first half, it felt like, and not like 20, 27 nothing's a, a great score to be going in at like halftime with. I mean, they, they, they scored a bunch of points. They converted most of the red zone opportunities. I think they only missed, they had started in the red zone three times in the first half, thanks to turnovers from Trevor Lawrence um, and, the, and the Jaguars. They got a, two touchdowns and a field goal. I'm not, I'm not knocking what the Chargers did. It just felt like with about three minutes left and 27 nothing, like everything had gone against the Jaguars in that first half. The, Chargers have gotten like every possible break. You know, they're picking up flags for DPI. Uh, you know, balls are popping up in the air off of off, off like, you know, off, off hands, off defensive linemen's hands, and they're being picked off uh, by the Chargers picking them off. Uh, who was it? Um, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. had three picks in the first half. Trevor Lawrence had never thrown a pick in the first quarter, and he threw four. Asante Samuel. Asante Samuel Jr., sorry. Yeah, I love both of them. Um, and – you know, even like a punt hits a Jaguars player on the head and lands and, and it goes to the Chargers. Like everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. And yet it was still like, it was like 27 nothing. Seven. 20, no, no, but, but then it was like, okay, if the Jaguars could get something before half, they get a touchdown, 27 7. Doug Pearson, by the way, passed on taking, kicking a field goal there and went for the touchdown. They get it. It's 27 7 when they go to half. And it felt like Chargers getting the ball. It's just, it's just, I've been as a as somebody who backs NC State, 
Like I've been there and I knew, I knew how I would feel if we were up 27, nothing. And suddenly it was like 12 minutes left in the third quarter. And it's 27, 14. You're like, we've destroyed this team and we're left less than two touchdowns. And sure enough, the, uh, the chargers completely, I mean, they just, it's just, it's hard to win when you're up that many points. Because you're trying to be conservative, you're trying to milk clock, you're trying not to do anything too crazy. And the Jaguars are playing with nothing to lose. We've seen it all year in the NFL. They've relaxed the rules to the point where teams can easily come back, Wilson. Breach, let me ask you this. I think I've pinpointed the exact moment where this game was lost. And I didn't feel great about it at the time, but I, I you know, I'm a Brandon Staley supporter and I love Justin Herbert, even though I didn't love him coming out because of his last year at Oregon. But sort of backing, uh, backing up the the last the point that the Princeton just made there before that last touchdown drive. The Jaguars scored before the half. Third and one at the Chargers 27. All you have to do is run a Justin Herbert sneak. They run some stupid-ass end around with Bandy, who fumbles the ball because it looked like he didn't want it. And the ball goes back. How many yards do they lose? They lose enough yards that they have to punt on fourth and 11. So they, they lose 10 yards in that stupid play. Then they punt, and then the next few plays, the Jaguars get in for that touchdown. I think that play there, if they sneak for first down, not only do they not allow the Jaguars to score a touchdown, maybe they get a field goal out of it. Uh, who knows? It'll be the 27-yard line with two minutes to go. What What do you think about that theory? At what point in the game was that? This was second quarter with yeah. two minutes to go. Third and one, 226 to go. Third and one, Justin Herbert's under Oh, center. no, no. I remember I remember the play. I was just asking the, the, the point in the game. Yeah, that was yeah. – uh, that's one of those where you're just getting too cute. There's literally no reason to do that, especially when you have someone like Justin Herbert – and then, because they punt there, uh, that set up Jacksonville's touchdown. You know, that that one breath of hope they got in the first half that Brinson was talking about that let's end the half on a high note. Hey, look, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions. We had them off to punt, but if we score this touchdown, we're only down 27-7, even though literally everything went against us in the first half. But there were so many dumb things the Chargers <laughs> did. I mean, when you look at... The first drive of the second half, I could not believe they punted from Jacksonville's 38-yard line. I don't care if it's 4th and 10, 4th and 40 from the 38-yard line, even though it's not even mathematically possible. How are you punting from your opponent's 38-yard line this day and age in football? You either try a 55-yard field goal or you go for it. Like, you just, why are you punting? I I have no idea why you're punting from your opponent's 38. Uh, And so... And then, obviously, there's the Chargers element of just bad luck where you have Cameron Dicker, who's been on fire all season and who hit three field goals in this game, somehow misses a 40-yard field goal uh, with just under nine minutes left. And that was just one of those unbelievable things. And then the thing I will say that really made it feel like the Chargers threw this game away is that in the second half, they were leading 27-7 to to start the half. They had the lead. Every single time they had the ball. So every time the Chargers offense was on the field in the second half, they were leading the game. All you have to do when you're up 20 points is just (laughs) slowly bleed the clock out. That's it. Uh, You know what the Chargers did? Instead of slowly bleeding the clock out, on their four possessions in the second half, uh, they called 20 passes and seven runs. You cannot call triple the amount of runs would you? It should have been 20 runs and seven passes. There's no reason that you, you should just keep airing it out and throwing these incomplete passes and stopping the clock and giving Jacksonville life. So it was just crazy uh, that they just did the opposite of what you should do when you're up 20 points. Quick fun fact here. After that uh, that drive where the you mentioned that they punted from 38-yard line on their first drive of the second half, uh, the Jaguars lead the league 
and with points to start the second half. They had 67 points throughout the season. Uh, that second half, their first drive, 89 yards, touchdown, 27-14. And still, there's five minutes to go in the third quarter, so you feel like the advantage is hugely favoring the Chargers. Uh, but as you know, Breach, they they found ways to new and exciting ways to charge it up. Sorry, I was a. Uh, I've got a George the dog is loose and glaring at me. That's why I had to run out of there. But um, the I, 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 if you said it, Breach, I apologize. I wouldn't because I wasn't listening. I was watching this psychotic dog. Um, the the fourth and three where they they kicked like or you know they were up ten, and Staley's made this. It's weird. Like I feel I feel bad for the guy because. He made the you know he he wanted to be aggressive with the fourth downs and he really was and it, then it feels like somebody came like ownership or management or somebody came to him and was like look dude it's just too much and he sort of got in his own head about it when Doug Peterson Doug Peterson declined that penalty the holding penalty I was like oh my god like if I'm Brandon Staley I'm going for it I'm trying to go up 17 points and the game is over and instead he kicked and you know yada 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 I I I think that I just think that Brandon Staley is probably sort of a victim of his own. Uh, like like a victim of his own approach that has changed since he you know in, in you know second third year et cetera et cetera you know what I'm saying or second year I guess that's only two years of Brandon Steely well I, and we talked about that earlier in the season just how he got so criticized during the off season and it wasn't even that his strategies didn't work last year it's that in the most high profile game the game against the Raiders on Sunday night the final game of the season they all blew up in his face. And so he went from, uh, you know, hey, my strategy works to kind of sheepishly going to the offseason and getting shamed out of being uh, crazy Brandon Staley that goes with analytics all the time and goes for it on fourth down. So I was I wasn't surprised that Doug Peterson declined it because, again, it was all about the clock. You need as much time as possible. And if you give them that penalty, then it's back the third down. Maybe they run 40 more seconds off and those are more precious. And so I think. Peterson assumed he would try the field goal. And so, uh, you know, Doug Peterson outcoached him. In the second half. In the second half. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe in the first half, but we don't know because Trevor we Lawrence. Because Trevor Lawrence thought he was uh, Oracle Jones. I mean, I think you have to like, like, obviously, it's on Trevor Lawrence. He looked lost up there. He didn't he didn't seem comfortable at all in the moment. It looked a lot like Trevor Lawrence in week 18. You know, he certainly didn't appear as if he'd, uh, you know, learned or like learned to play on that. And he's played on big stages, of course. But like, you know, that NFL stage uh, after that week 18 game against the, um, you know, against the Titans. And some of that's on Doug Peterson, I think. You know, that's that's coaching to a degree. But he came out, man. You heard him say it to uh, Kaylee Hartog going into the tunnel. She's like, you know, what are you going to do? He's like, we might do a little more up-tempo. And, I mean, you know, I, I think I pointed out in the you know the chat. It's like, that's maybe we need to hammer this over in the second half. And sure enough, um, there were a bunch of points scored in the second half. What um, what percentage chance does Brady Steele get fired? Breach, you can go first because I'm jaded by my love of that man. I put it at 55%. And I look, we talked about Let me say quickly, though. Sorry to interrupt, Rich. Mike Florio said before the game, there's a 50-50 chance that Sean Payton comes back. Now, this the percentages may obviously change after he watched what we all watched, too. Well, let me also say that uh, Mike Florio maybe listened to Megan Payton's podcast. Uh, that's Sean Payton's daughter. And he was on it. And he literally said there's a 50. He said, I might go mm. back to Fox. I might coach. So, like, I don't know if. Yeah, so you don't need to, you know, you have to use your sources when you listen to the right podcast. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I think, too, it's like interesting to note that Sean Payton has aggressively, you know, flirted with the Cardinals and flirted with the Broncos. But, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's, and, and you mentioned, you know, maybe I'll go back to coach, maybe I'll go back to broadcast. Like, he's, he's trying to make himself value, like, you know, 
But that 50-50, it felt like it was going up 5% every time Jacksonville scored a touchdown. Where It's at, it's at 100% then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, because now the Chargers is a realistic chance that job could come open because you, I think before this week started, we kind of all thought, hey, if Jacksonville blows out the Chargers, that seemed like a route where Brandon Staley possibly gets fired. And you're thinking probably it's not going to happen if it's a close game. Almost no chance. It was close. You don't factor, yeah, you don't factor them blowing uh, the third largest lead in NFL playoff history. And so I think. What did uh, you put the number at? I, I, I think it's 75. 60. I, yeah. It's, it's, All right. Let me let me ask you. Let me ask you two things that may move your, your number. Number well, one. Anyway, I, just want to, I want to point out Pete, Pete Prisco just texted and said that Brandon Staley's press conference is a guy who knows what's coming. Apparently. Obviously, we're not so watching. Albert so. Breer reported last week that. Um, Sean Payton may want to bring his own guys. That includes Jeff Ireland and, and Ryan Pace. Yep. And also, you have to pay a first-round pick was the report from maybe Nick Underhill. I don't Chargers' first-round pick would be, I think, perfectly reasonable. Well, I mean, you have a lot of holes you need to fix. Or, you know, have some holes you need to fix. I mean, but you're looking at the 20th overall pick. You're talking, about, you're talking about like a mid. Like, that's not – It's not. we're not having a discussion about a top 10 pick. But my point is that what is – does that affect your percentage at all? Or are you sticking with 60 and 75? I'll say 75. Let me ask you this. I'm going to run through some coaches real quick. And – um. You stop me when we get to somebody you – I mean, well, okay, Bill Belichick or Sean Payton, starting like next year. No, I mean, that's a short, it's a short list. I mean, you can save your breath, but, I, I mean, I, I get all that, but you're giving up a lot, and, I, I mean, I get it. Like, I, it's hard to defend. Are you the Cardinals giving up, like, number like five or something, or number nine? Number three? I mean, maybe they give up a 2024 pick. I, I'm not sure what the like the, the math is on that, but I I don't know – Maybe Sean Payton's worth it, but I, I mean, Breach went through his his year to year stats. I think on on a recent podcast, it wasn't like he won twelve games every year. He had like two or three seven and nine back. Yeah, three straight years of seven and nine. Yeah. before the two thousand and seventeen draft, when they got all those guys: Kamara, Ramchek, Marcus Williams, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, and that, that changed everything. And Jeff Ireland was a big heat. Jeff Ireland came in before that draft, I believe. Big part of that draft. So the the to, look the two things for me with was Sean Payton and. The Los Angeles Chargers are one. Will he come off the reported price of twenty million dollars per year that he wants? Because I don't think the Chargers will fire Brandon Staley and pay him, and also pay Sean Payton twenty million dollars a year. That's just too much. You're also firing Tom Telesco, who's got a lengthy contract potentially. Um, and then I think Telesco is the other factor. Is if Sean Payton comes, will he be willing to work with Tom Telesco, who is very much liked by the Spanish family? Or will they decide to just part ways and say, Sean, do what you want? Now, I mean, I tend to think that as aggressive as it is, like if I get a, if I'm if I'm the Chargers and I get a chance to pair Sean Payton with Justin Herbert, I'm doing what I need to do to make it happen. Because Justin Herbert has been incredible three years into his career in the NFL, but he has not been fully unlocked by a guy, an offensive mind like a Sean Payton, who could really do some special stuff. Um you know, if he gets a hold of, I mean, like Sean Payton and Herbert would smash, man. Yeah, it does feel like that would be a good fit, and it does feel like that's feels like when Payton says there's a 50-50 chance, it's just because he was biding his time till one of the jobs he quote unquote wants uh, comes open, and that absolutely could happen. So that is. Well, let's let's also add to the the Brandon Staley thing, like the Mike Williams Week 18 stuff is not going to help his case either. I mean, just didn't need to play his starters. Mike Williams get hurt. Can't play tonight. If Mike Williams plays tonight, the Chargers probably win the game. 
Yeah, I mean, you have Justin Herbert losing I one mean, of his favorite receivers. They were up twenty-seven nothing. I don't think they needed Mike Williams to not lose that. Well, game. I'm just saying, like, it's like the back-to-back weeks you lose your number two wide receiver who just got a huge contract in the offseason straight into blowing a twenty-seven point lead in a in a road wild card game where you were gifted. No, it's not great. It's not. It's not a great run. Right. And how many times have you seen a team put up thirty points and not even put up, barely put up three hundred total yards? You know, I just saw it in this game right here. Right. And so they're up 27 nothing, not because their offense was uh, going up and down the fields because Trevor wants to four interceptions. So there's something to be said for that, that their offense looked bad for almost this entire game. They got a muffed punt that put them inside the 10 and they couldn't even score a touchdown. The, the but isn't that more a reflection of the offensive coordinator that people have been whinging about? Well, I think it's partial reflection that you didn't have Mike Williams because your coach put, played him in a meaningless game. And so I think, yeah, but over the course of the season, the conversation was that the, the play calling was dog doo doo, right? Well, right. But, but you have more options if you're the offense coordinator, if Mike Williams is out there and if you're the offensive coordinator, it's not your fault that Mike Williams is not playing. Well, it also too, like, let's not forget. And look, they didn't have, they didn't have the totality of their weapons for much of the season. But when you, you know, if you're saying, and I don't disagree with you, Wilson, like Joe Lombardi didn't do a great job calling plays especially when they didn't have Mike Williams because they just check it down most of the time. But you're, you're, the argument you're making is like coaching is the problem for Justin Herbert, which is to me an immediate, if you can get Sean Payton, then you go for it. Um, no, I get it. Like in a vacuum, absolutely. I'm just, again, part of the reason is I'm, I like Brandon Saley. The other part of the reason is the 20 million per year. I looked it up and no one seems to know, but the, the guess on the gossip sites is between four and five million a year. So Brandon Saley makes who knows what he actually makes. And then of course, are, are you going to have to restart with the front office? which means a whole new coaching staff and, and all that comes with it. And I don't know. It's expensive. It's really expensive. No, I think it's actually, it could be not necessarily a setback, but it, next year might be, you know, a, a wash and that they might win eight or nine games. And then. I don't know, man. I mean, it, look, that's totally possible in that division. If you give, to me, if you give Sean Baton, you know, Rashawn Slater at left tackle, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, you know, Gerald Everett had a really good run there. Austin Eckler, like that team is going to, I mean, I, and the defense has enough pieces where it's not going to be those early Saints teams that couldn't stop anybody. Let um, me ask you this quickly. Would you rather have all the things that you two guys want in terms of a, of a rebuild starring Sean Payton and what all that costs? Or would you rather just have Frank Reich be the OC? I mean, well, I, I can sort of go back to your point about the Cardinals, which like just rip the Band-Aid and just get get the best possible option. Yeah, but the, the Cardinals won four football games. <laughs> right. I mean, I, like, Frank Reich would be interesting with Justin Herbert. For sure. I don't Frank, hate that idea. And Frank Reich's been the OC in, in, in with the Chargers before. Um, a lot of missed calls in this game. Do we think that the missed calls? I, I I feel like the refs did a pretty terrible job in general, but I feel like the missed calls probably on balance evened out a yeah, decent they amount. Out. I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not going to complain about uh, the officiating because I didn't think that. I didn't think there was any pass interference in the in the first half. And while um, Jawan Taylor was clearly false starting on that touchdown at the end. The, the Chargers put themselves in that position. And by the way, Joey Bosa, um, the first unsportsmanlike conduct, I blame the official for going after him. I don't know what Joey Bosa said, obviously, but just let, let him walk off the field. You don't have to chase him down. It's one of those sort of soccer officiating things where you try to make a spectacle of the, the player. The second one is Joey Bosa, keep your helmet on and then go pat on the sidelines because that, that also cost them and, and allowed them to go for the, the two points from the one-yard line that obviously <laughs> had an impact on the ending. Uh, I said Frank was the OC with the Chargers. If he wasn't the OC, he was Rivers' quarterback coach at some point. They worked together. I'll, I'll look it up and just confirm real quick. But that um, two-pointer, though, I mean, that was Doug Peterson scoring yeah. Brandon Staley. Like, oh, you think you're Mr. Analytics? Because I got a Super Bowl ring, buddy, and I do this stuff better than you. I mean, the fact that they went for two when the score was 30-26, to 26, 
Uh, nothing says do that. I mean, that was that was Dougie P saying, you know what? We're going to hit the two, and we're going to win with the field goal when every other NFL coach would have kicked extra point. In that but situation. I think the slap in the face to that breach is that we don't care about analytics because this you guys are you guys are so living in your fear, so quote Mike Tomlin, that we could actually turn around and punt the ball backwards and be down four, and we're still going to beat you pretty soundly. And yeah, Frank, Frank Wright was the OC for the Chargers. He was a quarterback's coach from 14 to – or excuse me, quarterback coach in 13 – then became the OC from 14 to 15 and then jumped to the Eagles to join his buddy, Doug Peterson, in 2016, where they, of course. You think Urban Meyer watched this game? I'm guessing he turned it off at halftime laughing hysterically. Uh, and then, probably at that bar in Columbus. Yeah. Just to add a little bit of a twist to it. <laughs> he, he, didn't even, he, didn't, he didn't even turn it off. He just stopped watching. He's like, <laughs> But Brinson, yeah. <laughs> and, then he's like, and they're like, uh, Urban, he's like, I don't worry. Teams can't come back from that. Uh, to um, your point, though, on the missed calls, I mean, you, the Chargers only scored three points in the second half, and mm. a big reason they even got those was because they got the free 21 yards on the pass that should have been ruled incomplete. That was that scoring drive. So I, I know I do this too much, and I apologize in advance for it. Uh, but since you mentioned it, Breach, if I, don't, if I may. Um, okay, remember last year in the Raiders and Bengals game when the, there was a play call that happened with, um, I think it was uh, Hunter Renfro on like, the sidelines? And we couldn't tell if he stepped out or not, or whether it was like a catch or something like that. I can't remember the exact details, but like I think the- you're talking about the inadvertent whistle when Joe Burrow threw a touchdown pass Maybe uh, that's what, yeah. in the back of the well, end zone. At any point, like all of a sudden they're like, uh, after further discussion, the uh call has been ruled incomplete. Everybody's like, Wait, what what do you mean? Further discussion? You didn't even talk to anybody. And then uh Mike Tariko Bob saying goes, Of course, that's the new expedited replay that no one knows about that the NFL is now using. And so later that game. Zach Taylor was like, didn't know if he should challenge something or not because he's waiting on the, the replay to come in. Like, Doug Peterson didn't challenge a clear incompletion, and he, he should have challenged it. You should just bomb the bomb the flag. I, I do think it was clear. Like, I think that's why that wasn't expedited because it was hard to see initially. Was, I thought the ball was rolling around the ground. Not the I don't, think, Jones I don't think it was initially clear. I don't. I didn't blame Doug Peterson. I didn't blame the guys upstairs because it was hard to see. And then when they, by the time they replayed it, and uh, Brandon Staley should bring this up at his exit interview. I. I hustled to the line and snapped that ball before they had a chance to look at it because that's one of the few positives, perhaps the only positive that happened in the second half for the Chargers. Yeah, Did you I, think I, that I, was a drop reach? I guess my point is like, if the NFL is going to do this, and the and, and like the one thing we've seen is that when they use the expedited replay, it's almost only used on island games or in primetime games. This is a primetime playoff game. If you're going to use it, this is the time to use it. Breach, did you yeah. think that was obvious? I, I did think it was a drop. I thought that he, uh, as he was going to the ground, he kind of lost it, and then it got knocked out. So, like, he had to – he just never re- regained control of it after he lost it. So, the defender, I think, punched it out. But before that happened, he lost it falling to the ground. I, I don't think he lost it falling to the ground. I think he lost it once he was on the ground. Yeah, just didn't look like he made a football move, and it looked like it came loose right. A football move? He got tackled. Of course, he didn't make a football move. Well, right. So you have to take the ball to the ground. That's what I'm saying. So, by the way, um, Albin B in the comments makes a fantastic point. I made a note of this, and you know, I was talking about Joey Bosa getting all these personal foul penalties. I tell you what, he and uh, oh, Khalil Mack didn't show up. Khalil Mack had a sack in the first half, I think, but they were they were doing a disappearing act in the second half. Like they were nowhere to be seen. And a lot of times, I don't know if because Bosa was still nursing the injury, he was on the on the sidelines. So, th- th- you know, they spent all offseason getting Khalil Mack. They traded for him, I think a second-round pick, whatever it was. He was supposed to be an integral part of, of helping that defense reform. Um, Derwin James got turned around a few times in the second half, and not not his fault that they lost, but things like you're 
the guys you're paying a lot of money, you would like them to step up like they did in the first half. And that's the reason I made that note when we came into the podcast. Like this defense seems to experience to to melt. And man, their their faces got melted off and just drive after drive. And, and to to your point, Brenton, Doug Peterson ran circles around Brandon Staley. At no point did Doug Peterson look nervous, uh, worried, upset in the final 30 minutes. And there, there's uh, that fourth and one where Al Michaels is like, well, um, you know, you got to decide here. And it's like Doug Peterson's already calling the play. Like, he, like he, no hesitation whatsoever to be gutsy in the big spots. That's what you love about Doug Peterson. Johnny Rose, you're taking a sit there. Um, Poor Brandon Staley, if you're watching on YouTube. Right now, I'm looking at that. I'm speechless right now. At, at Largest blown lead in playoff, in Chargers, not playoff, in Chargers history. The Chargers have a lengthy history of blown leads. And the Chargers are the first team in NFL playoff history to lose with a five-plus turnover margin. All right. Uh, uh, wait, and one more one more stat to that point. Uh, over the past 40 years, um, NFL teams are 2-32 and 32 when they throw four or more interceptions in a game. So only two out of 40, uh, two out of 34 teams have won. Uh, one of them was Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, the NFC title game against the Packers. And the other one was tonight, Jacksonville over the Chargers. All right. Let's take anything else on Chargers, Jaguars. I mean, uh, you know, I should point out really quickly that the, so the, where is my brackets? The Jaguars as the four seed, so the five seeds eliminated. So if the Ravens, if either the Ravens beat the Bengals or, let's say, sorry, if, <laughs> this is always difficult. You got, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to do the reseed matchups. If the Dolphins were to beat the Bills, the Dolphins would go play the Chiefs no matter what. Here, uh, you, uh, since I wrote the playoff schedule, I just yeah, succinctly say it. Okay. <laughs> if the Dolphins or Ravens win, they will play. for you to do that, actually. <laughs> if the Dolphins or Ravens win, they'll play the Chiefs. Uh, if both those teams lose, then Jacksonville will play the Chiefs. Thank you, Rich. You're so on. if the chalk holds, Jacksonville is headed to Kansas City. What do we think that line will – and, I mean, look, I know – I don't, we don't want to rush. We don't want to jump to conclusions because you know, by the time some people listen to this podcast, the games may be have already happened. But um, both Cincinnati and uh, Buffalo, pretty big favorites, would be would be pretty massive upsets if they lost. What do we think the line will be? Jacksonville at Kansas City. One's over Wilson's is minus seven and a half. That's a pretty good number. I she's haven't covered in a while, man. I could see it being even bigger. All right, well, if it's, if it's ten and a half, I, I love the Jaguars. I don't think I don't think it's a double digits. I, I'm thinking more like eight, eight and a half, maybe even nine. But oh, I, Andy, Andy Reid off a of bye. Andy Reid off, off the bye. bye. Andy Reid off the bye. Let's go take a quick break. Yeah, but real quick, the, the, the Jacksonville and Kansas State did play each other this year, and the Chiefs won 27-17. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kansas State just hadn't covered a lot. And you know, there is, I mean, you know, you don't want to read too much into the, you know, the narrative of it, but I mean, there is something like this is sort of a slingshot style win where if that second half from Trevor Lawrence carries over moving forward, the Jaguars are pretty dangerous. Now, if they're in the NFC, maybe we give them a chance. AFC, not likely with the Bills and Chiefs out there. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the beatdown that was the 49ers. Don't wait, Breach, we're not leaving. That oh, was what? the 49ers Seahawks game. Next. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. 
The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. The Seahawks took a... I forgot they scored late. Um, they took a six, uh, 17, 16 lead into halftime. Everybody's talking, wow, this would be a, it'd be a huge upset if the Seahawks took down the 49ers. Niners were the favorite to get to the Super Bowl before the playoffs began. And then the domination began. Uh, sort of, you know, not, not similar to the Jaguars game, but like, you know, surprising first half. And then it just an onslaught in the second half. The Niners scored, I believe, uh, 25 straight points. Seahawks got a garbage time touchdown from Geno Smith to DK Metcalf late with uh, about 152 to go to cut it to 41-23. Honestly, they didn't really – I mean, you know, keep playing. I get it. It's playoffs, but you, know, you don't want to get hurt in that spot. The game was over. A, I mean, just a, a such an impressive second half from the 49ers. Brock Purdy settled down. He had a fantastic game overall. When you look at it, he's really shaky early on, not, not to be expected. Um, if you guys had to pick one weapon – Offensive, defensive, what do you want to do? One weapon for the 49ers' vast array of toys to uh, to paraphrase or to quote uh, Jack Nicholson in the, in the original, the best Batman. Where does he get these wonderful toys? Like the mm. Niners, Kyle is basically Batman with all these toys. Uh, what, what, Wilson, would, what, what would you be number one choice? You have I'll, take, I'll take Debo. Debo had three rushes for 33 yards and then dealt with damage to the air, 133. Through the air. But I mean, I don't think you can get wrong with any of them. Breach, you want the kicker? You want uh, old man? What's his name? Mr. Robbie Gold, who holds the NFL record for most field goals in the postseason without a miss. The guy is at 24 field goals in his playoff career without ever missing. Nobody's ever even hit 17, and he's at 24. It is insane, but no, I'll take Christian McCaffrey. You know, I was going to be mad that you took McCaffrey, but I don't even care. I'll take George Kittle. Like, those three guys are three. The, the like the NFL is like a you know the NFL, all NFL players are really freak athletes. I mean, you just have to be to get to this level. But dude, those guys are unicorns. Like you don't see a tight end like George Kittle. You don't see a running back like Christian McCaffrey. And you don't see a, a, a wide receiver like Debo Samuel. I mean, it's so perfect for Kyle Shanahan's offense, and they're all on the same roster. It's crazy. It's why even with Brock Purdy, they were the favorite to get out of the NFC. The second half of this game. Like, like, do you, do you, okay, I guess I'll ask you this. Do you, does the first half worry you at all, Wilson? Or do you think that it was more like settling in for a rookie quarterback? And now all of a sudden you have this, like, this is the, the second half is the Niners team that is going to be really, really dangerous for the rest of the league. It does the opposite of worry me. It makes me feel better because Brock Purdy got all the nerves out, settled down, and then let his, uh, coworkers on the offensive line help him out. And, and then he sort of picked up the slack and then relied on the defense. So, uh, I think this is a, a good sign of things to come. I, I think the the issue is that it turns out Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch like to overpay in the offseason for either trading up or or the the way they use the draft or even sometimes signing players. But in season, 
as long as Kyle Shanahan's dialing up plays and they have the guys that you mentioned, even without the quarterback, they're good to go. Breach, uh, we'll have a million days and hours to talk about this, but what what are you doing with old uh, Trey Lance <laughs> once we get to uh, March? Uh, you call up every team in the league and say, what will you give me for Trey Lance? Are you, are you moving forward with, let's assume Brock Purdy, whatever happens to the 49ers plays replacement level or better on the, on the here. Now he doesn't throw four interceptions in the game. Well, let's say he doesn't win a Super Bowl. I think that's key too. Like, cause you can't replace okay. the guy who wins a Super no, Bowl. Just, Brock just like Purdy, a, yeah. Brock Purdy gets you to the NFC title game or the Super Bowl. He's your quarterback. That's it. I think that you cannot say, you cannot send this guy to the bench. Your fan base will be up in arms. If they lose the divisional round, then I think. Well, what if he opens, plays well? Uh, well, I mean, does he throw for 400 yards and they lose a shootout? I mean, no, what? he plays like he did today 15, 18 to 30 for 332 and three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, then you're, then you're, then you're having t- conversations about what can we do anything with Trey Lance? Will anybody actually give us anything for him? And I think you have a competition where it's like, you know, hey, look, I'm fine if you say Brock's a starter. He's earned it right. That's, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, Here's my bold prediction going to the offseason. Okay. Trey Lance. Carolina Panthers starting quarterback in 2023. That checks out. A uh, couple of things here. Just I saw some stuff in the comments. Uh, Felix asks, Shanahan coach of the year. If I were, just based on my straw poll of, of voters, I think that Shanahan would probably, if you can find if you can find it out there in the market, and I don't know if the coaching markets are out there, um, that would be a really good bet. Um, I don't know that he got, I, 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 know, I don't want to, he he's he's got he's on some list for sure, and I, I think he would I think he'll probably end up winning. Uh, Nathan points out Doug P should get coach of the year just for winning this game. Not a crazy suggestion, but the votes are all in before uh, the playoffs begin. And so, uh, a couple of people mentioned Brandon Ayuk. That that was not a knock on Brandon Ayuk to not mention him with those three weapons. There's only three of us. Yeah, yeah. There's only three of us. He's a le- he's a legitimate number one wide receiver in another offense. He dropped the touchdown at the back of the end zone too, by the way. Yeah, but he's also not like he's not a freak. He's not a unicorn, you know. I mean, he, he you know, he's you know, he's a Justin Jefferson's draft class. I mean, you know, he's he's not even the best wide receiver in his draft class. Whereas like CMC, Debo, and George Kittle are just very, very different animals, and, and really uh, make that offense her. Do you think? Can the can the Four Niners win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? At this point, I say yes. I said that before the playoffs, and you guys and made fun of me, Breach. No, I was the only one that voted against it. Brinson was on your bandwagon. Oh, I said the same ah. thing that I just. There is a reason a rookie quarterback has never made it to the Super Bowl. And I know he has better weapons, a better coach for his weapons than he's in a better situation than pretty much any rookie quarterback ever. It's just that when poop hits the fan, then we'll see what happens. That did, The Seahawks team is not that good. They played out of their minds for three quarters. And Brock Purdy did exactly what I thought he would do in the first half, which was you're a rookie. You're probably going to come out and struggle because that's what rookies do. That's what a lot of quarterbacks do uh, when they play in their first playoff game. I'm obviously we saw it from Trevor Lawrence. We saw it from Justin Herbert. And to an extent, we saw it from Geno Smith in the second half of this game. So it it, it is just tough to play at such a high level to keep winning. And so, I, I mean, I said before the playoffs started that I thought the NFC title game was their ceiling with Brock Purdy. And I am going to stick by that. And you guys can laugh at me when they make it to the Super Bowl. No, I mean, as Brinson noted, the Seahawks were winning at halftime in part because Brock Purdy played like he was a rookie seventh rounder. So yeah, it could, it could certainly um, happen. You don't want them playing from behind. Chat points out that like, you know, some of his touchdowns, a lot of his touchdowns are behind the line of scrimmage or yak or short yardage. That That's, that's not, that's not incorrect. It's just like, and, 
it's just the Kyle Shanahan system. I mean, even the early throws where he missed a couple of them, the dudes were running wide open. That's just how the 49ers offense works under Kyle Shanahan. He has great weapons, and they the, his system and his play design gets them open. And it's really more about it's not such a it's not like a everybody's a system quarterback, but you have to be a certain type of a certain type of you have to have a certain type of mindset and a certain ability to. Uh, make quick decisions and make good decisions quickly to operate in the Kyle Shanahan offense. And, and real quick, and don't forget that Kyle Shanahan has done a very good job, especially this year, of just outsmarting uh, the other coaches and, and being better in his division. So you look at the 49ers record with this win, they're 14 and four now. Uh, they're seven and zero against NFC West teams, and they're seven and four against everyone else. So uh, you know they a lot of this is beating up on NFC West. They're a very good team, and. Uh, you know, it's just Brock Purdy there. I'm not sure of the Super Bowl team. Our guy, Stephen O, Sportsline, uh, just sent out the email of the updated NFL futures. Who do you think has the best Super Bowl, Bowl odds in the NFC right now? I mean, I would guess the 49ers. Definitely the 49ers. 23% chance uh, versus 15% chance for Billy's Eagles, followed by... Oh, my God. I wouldn't have guessed it was that much higher. Minnesota and Tampa Bay are both at 2.1%. They're the next highest team, so... I want a Bengals Niners Super Bowl because I then I'm guaranteed to hit a future. So. Everyone in Cincinnati. Lined up next to each other for a reason, Brinson. I'm willing it into existence. Someone in the uh, comments also noted, Breach, you still have that Christmas tree up, so you lied about taking it down. No, I said it was staying up till the Bengals lose. They haven't lost yet. Oh. Well, it's going to be a sad day when you're pulling that thing down. Uh, by the way, Breach, I'm yeah, from the future. I, <laughs> I got some news for you. You might want to take that tree down. <laughs> you, lose, you lose the Snoop Huntley, man. That's a tough scene. If they win the um, Super Bowl, do I just keep up the tree all year? Uh, let's see if we get out of here in under 40 minutes because, you know, just for... for we'll get out of under 36. Because we have to do another oh, no, no, well, we got We got to really quickly. Requiem for the 2022 Seahawks. No one saw... I, I think, you know, we talk about successful seasons versus expectations. It's hard not to call the Seahawks season a, a, a stunning success given that the Broncos are handing them the number... Uh, Five pick, I believe. Wilson, his latest mock draft, had him taking a defensive lineman out of Clemson. Uh, do you think what were the holes? What, I mean, Eugene Cyril Smith the third, great season. I mean, like this is a great season for the Seahawks. It it took all the pressure off Pete Carroll, John Snyder, and sort of let them you know reinvigorated them too, especially with Russell Wilson sucking over at Denver. Yeah, this is what we Breach and I were getting on you about in the middle of the season. Like this would be a terrible season for the Vikings. This is an absolute grand slam for the Seahawks, right. and it actually rub, rubs salt in the in the Russ Wilson wound and Russ Wilson's Wilson's wound, I should say. Um, and one thing I'll add: our guy Joel Corey, former agent who writes for uh, CBS about agent related stuff and contracts, he tweeted out during this game that uh, so Russell Wilson. This is his tweet: Russell Wilson's deal with the Broncos says he's worth forty nine million per year. Um, and then he goes on to say that Gino should be looking in the 35-ish million per year range, at least to, to ask. Now, Gino said there was reports during the game that Gino said he's going to make a business decision. He would love to come back to Seattle, but he ain't playing uh, for cheap. So, Breach, if you're the Seahawks and Gino says, I want 35, what are you saying? I'm giving it to him. I mean, ah, unless I think that there's someone else out there uh, who I can get. Fifth overall pick. Like, I don't know about paying Gino 35 a year, man. Uh, you ain't getting you're Gino start back over at, Yeah, you're going to start over at scratch if you're trying to get a quarterback fifth, or or maybe you try and get Derek Carr or uh Would you Jimmy rather Garoppolo have Derek Carr or, or Gino? Well, that's what I'm saying. I would just give Gino the money. That's what yeah, I, I mean. That's, I actually he, he ran your system really well this year. He got you to the playoffs. And I, one thing we talked about a lot this year was whether or not a season would be a disappointment if it ended 
uh, with a playoff loss. If the 49ers had lost today, then the season's a dis- disappointment for them. It is the opposite for the Seahawks. Them losing this game, they could have lost 71 to nothing, and there was no way the season would ever be described as a disappointment because most people didn't even think they were going to win six games. And here they were uh, in the wild card round after kind of just surprising everyone all year. So I, w- what the Seahawks did this season was just nothing short of amazing, and it validated every decision that Pete Carroll and John Snyder made about uh, dumping Russell Wilson and saying, you know, we're going to win with Gino, and they did. You, you know, that's in of itself. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back up and I'm gonna take back what I said about the 35 billion because you know, I, I got, well, no, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna say I was wrong. You're right back. I, I'm, I'm right back because <laughs> you know for years would would like remember when Jimmy G guys got first contract for the Niners and Derek Carr got that first contract the Raiders be like oh you can't do that you can't man that's like look this is just simply the going rate for quarterbacks it will be eclipsed immediately and if you start to look at the quarterback salaries you you have Matthew or Dak Prescott excuse me is the lowest at 40 million dollars of the 40 club and then you have down to Kirk Cousins at 35 Jared Goff at 33 and a half that's fine you know that's that's just the going rate for quarterbacks. The guarantees won't be insane. It'll look splashy and be all that, but it'll really probably be like a three-year deal with minimal guarantees that the Seahawks can get out of, sort of like a Derek Carr deal. So I don't mind. I, t- I take it back. I-, I think that's fine. You give Geno thirty-five. He was great for you this season. Got you to the playoffs. There you go. And you you can potentially use one of your first-round draft picks if you like a guy. Only if yeah, you like. A guy. I wouldn't. They have two first round. Tell them to bring me my money. Yeah, they're getting more, more next year for Russ, for Russ, right? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But here, let me let me update this quickly before we leave. Remember, before the season, we did our Super Bowl pool. Oh yeah. Uh, the Wilson update. I have the Chiefs. These are, I'll start with the teams that are still alive: the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Dolphins. And my teams that are out: the Broncos, the Donkeys, and the Rams. Uh, Breach. Your teams that are still in: the Bengals and the Cowboys. Okay. Gross. Brinson knocked out your Chargers tonight. Your Packers and the Steelers are alive. Brinson's team still in it. The Ravens, the Eagles, and the Jaguars. God, they should have been out. And his teams that are out are the Colts and the Saints. And finally, Caleb. Is Caleb C-Rat? Or is C-Rat last year? Who did it? It's Caleb in the chat. Caleb Gameson. Oh, Caleb. Okay. Yeah, so C-Rat was last year. Okay, okay C-Rat is last year. He's the four, he did Niners? Caleb has uh, the 49ers. That was his third round pick. First round pick was Buffalo and then Tampa Bay. And the teams that are out on him are Arizona and Vegas. So Caleb's looking good. I mean, guys. He's got got San Francisco and Tampa Bay. I mean, that's not, you can't. And Buffalo. He's got the 49ers and the Bills. He got the Super Bowl. I deserve it, except for the fact that the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. I need KC, Minnesota. (laughs) Um, One. uh, Dang it. What else? Well, there's one. I feel more. like we all have one viable. Uh, breach. Caleb has two. You did the. You did the. Uh, you did the. The schedule. What are the, what, are the, what are the possible matchups for the 49ers in the division? Uh, the 49ers. If the Vikings beat the Giants on Sunday, it's the first game, right? The Vikings win. Then the Vikings play the 49ers in San Francisco. If the Giants win, then the 49ers will play the winner of Buccaneers Cowboys. And if the 49ers play the winner of Buccaneers-Cowboys, that game will definitely be played on Sunday since the Monday winner has to play the following Sunday because we don't know the divisional round schedule yet. Miami-Buffalo is the first game, but then the first NFC game is the yes, yeah. game. Oh, I need Miami to win. Caleb's in the chat. He he identified himself. So I can knock Caleb's bills out with that Dolphins win. So I got I got some work to do. Good good luck with that. Um, I know. Uh, All right, way to go, Jaguars. Yeah, way to go, Jaguars. Way to stay alive. My Brandon, Jaguars. Brandon Zaley, I'm praying for you, brother. Uh, congrats to Sean Payton, future uh, coach of the New Orleans, uh, the excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers. For a breach, 
for Wilson. I'm Brent. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.